Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey friends, and welcome back to the pod. This is Queenie and Pablo, and today we're going to be talking about first home buyer tips that we honestly wish we knew sooner. I know. You know, buying a home is already stressful, and there are so many things that you know, you realize afterwards and we're going to spill this all today. Yeah, there are so many things. I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of mad nobody told me about them, honestly. But we're going to tell you. Don't worry. Yeah, we'll tell you. We'll tell you. Before we get started, Kuni, what's your money win? Okay, so I recently turned 27 and we went out for dinner for my birthday and we booked this restaurant through first table and we saved 50% off and for a birthday dinner it was quite expensive we ended up spending how much did we spend in total was about $300 but because we used first table it was half price so we saved $170 and yeah it was really good yeah for those who don't know what first table is basically it's a website where you can book the first table of the restaurant at like 5 30 or 6 p.m but you get 50% of food when you go there. Yeah, this was honestly such a huge game changer for us because we had the best food. Like, honestly, we went went all out. We were having cocktails. We had lobster pasta. You know, we had entrees. And my cousin also came to the birthday dinner as well. And, yeah, we ended up saving $170 because we booked our dinner through First Table and the food was amazing. The only thing was we did have to go to the restaurant a little bit earlier. So we were pretty much the only people in the restaurant at the time. But it was actually nicer because the staff actually had the time to, you know, see us. They, they were just starting to, you know, open the restaurant and they had a lot more time for us. So by the time we finished our meal, that's when everybody else came into the restaurant and it was a lot more busy. So yeah, it's actually nice. And especially at the moment in Sydney, it's getting quite dark quite early. So it doesn't feel as strange to eat dinner at 5.30 as maybe it usually would. Yeah, no, I think really good. Obviously, they don't have all the restaurants on there, but if you want to treat yourself one day or, you know, just get cheaper food and try out a new restaurant, that's really good. One quick disclaimer is sometimes, you know, they have T's and C's based on not all the food is half price. And this time, obviously, we knew about these T's and C's and we read through it. But the first time we went out, it was a Japanese restaurant and we ordered sushi and all the roba wasn't part of the... The 50% off. Yeah. And we ordered so much sushi. We had no idea. But, you know, lesson learned. This time we made the most of the offer and we got $178 off. What a great money win, Queenie. Yeah. Woohoo. What about you, Pablo? What's your money win? Well, as a matter of fact, we are in a new office. Like, we just moved into an office a couple of months ago. And we actually got, like, a full-time editor, Julian. If you're listening to that, say hi. But the money win is that we are renting out one of the desks to Mehdi, French guy as well. And, yeah, it's really nice for us. Great energy, but also saving money by renting out the desk in our office and... 
you know, that's so good. Yeah, it is really good. So yeah, if you're not using all of the room in your place, maybe your office, it could be worth renting out a desk or something like that. So everyone can save a bit of money because he'd save money too, because usually hot desking options start from 400 to 500 and we're charging him less than that. So that's good. Yeah, exactly. And plus it's like a real setup, you know, it's not like hot desk, you bring your laptop. It's like a proper dedicated desk. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So before we get into the podcast, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of our land and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. And we respect and celebrate the diversity of our communities. We're excited for this podcast, you know, first home buyers, you know, if you have or if you're buying a property or looking to buy, I think that will be really useful for you today. What is the first tip that people should know, Queenie? So the first thing that we wish we knew when we were buying our first home is that these days you don't actually need a 20% deposit. You could start with a 10% deposit or even a 5% deposit. Although one of the drawbacks of going with less than a 20% deposit is you usually have to pay for lender's mortgage insurance, which is an extra fee that they add on to your loan, essentially. But with the first home loan deposit scheme, you can actually have a 5% deposit or less than a 20% deposit without paying lenders mortgage insurance, which will save you quite a lot of money if you apply for this scheme. We wish we applied for more of these first home buyer schemes. Basically, lenders mortgage insurance would cost you around $30,000 on a $600,000 mortgage. So if you apply for the first home loan deposit scheme, you're essentially saving 30 grand. How good's that? Yeah, that's a lot of money, you know, first, like, knowing that you don't have to have the 20%. Obviously, for us, I think at the time, we're like, kind of, that was our goal, you know, reach $100,000 together and get our 20% deposit. But now $100,000 is not going to get you as far as you could back in the days. So getting, you know, just 5% is obviously much easier and getting those grants or looking into those, I think we're going to share some more grants that you can go through, but we'll put a link also in the description so you can see all the grants and look at what is available for you so you can get started and maximize your your money so you can go further. Yeah, exactly. So check out our show notes below for all of the first home buyer schemes that you can apply for. And I think also going with less than a 20% deposit, it It also does benefit because you would be able to get onto the property ladder a bit faster than if you had to save up for a 20% deposit. So yeah, definitely something worth looking into. Obviously that does make your mortgage repayments bigger because it's a bigger loan, but yeah, I guess pros and cons. So yeah, have a look into it. Yeah. And nowadays anyway, the rent is really expensive in Sydney. So, you know, maybe like three, four, five years ago, you would be able to get a cheaper rent than, you know, what you pay with your mortgage. But because the rent nowadays is so expensive, you know, it might be better looking at a mortgage, even though the interest rate is expensive. Obviously, everyone is different, but that's something to consider. Yeah, definitely. And as we know, the rental market is just wild at the moment. It's so hard to find a place. And even if you do get lucky enough to actually find a place to rent, the rent's just so expensive. So that's why we want to make this episode. So you can get onto the property ladder if you haven't already. Nice. What's the next point, Connie? So the next point is to find the best place to save your money or park your money while you are saving for your first home. 
And something that we honestly wish we knew about when we were saving for our first home is the First Home Buyer Super Saver Scheme. So this scheme essentially allows you to save for your first home in your superannuation. So you are able to contribute extra money to your super. So let's say, for example, you go to your employer, you say, hey, I would like to contribute an extra $1,000 per month into my superannuation. And when you're ready to buy your home, you can release these extra contributions. Important note, you can't release your employer contributions. You can't release the mandatory contributions that your employer makes. You can only release the extra contributions that you have sacrificed into your super and you can use it to buy your first home. So there are huge tax saving benefits to using the first home buy super saver scheme. Yeah, that's really good, you know, and you get tax advantages, right? Because when you get extra money into your super, you don't pay directly. You are taxed on the superannuation. It's 15%, right? Yeah, so it's around 15%, whereas most of our marginal tax rates is around 32.5%. That's where most people are. So yeah, you're saving quite a lot of money on tax. And when you do release your super contributions, you will need to put that into your, I guess, income for that tax return as income. However, they do have a 30% tax offset for your super So essentially, you you still are saving money on tax. And I do have a few examples of like comparing that to a high interest savings account. So in your first year, by using the first home buy super saver scheme, you could potentially save around $1,000. Over three years of using the first home buy super saver scheme, you could potentially save around $2,000 compared to a high interest savings account. And over five years, you could potentially save around $4,000 by using the first home buy super saver scheme compared with a savings account. That's a lot of money, you know? Yeah, something we wish we knew earlier, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, if you don't have the possibility, it seems a bit too complicated to do. High interest saving accounts are also a good solution to park your money, especially nowadays that the interest rates on those accounts are quite high. Something to note though is that when you are saving in a high interest savings account that is also considered income like the the income that you make from it and you will need to add that into your tax return as income and it will be taxed at your marginal tax rate and you don't get that tax concession that you do with the first home buy super saver scheme. So that's just something to keep in mind as well. But yeah, high interest savings accounts are another really good option as well. If the first home buy super saver scheme is pretty complicated, like it really is. So yeah, I mean, it's always like that, you know, you got to put your head around to make the most of it. Nothing is easy in life, you know, always loopholes and things like that. So it's worth learning about it, you know, spending half an hour, an hour learning about it talking to maybe a tax accountant and, you know, understand it basically. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So next point, save money where you can. So one of our goals when we were saving for our first home was to save $100,000. And we did this by earning extra income, but also trying to save the money that we were already making. And One of our goals was to save $10,000 in one year, which sounds like a really, really big goal. And it's it's kind of scary. Like, how can you possibly save $10,000 in one year? It seems really hard until you break that down into smaller pieces. $10,000 in one year is $2,500 quarterly or $833 monthly, 
Weekly, it's $192, and daily, that's $27.40 per day. So if you just look at ways in your life to save $27.40 a day, that will add up to $10,000 in one year. Yeah, I think that's very good, like putting it into perspective, into like praying it done, you know, $27.40 a day. And I think we're actually listening to that book that Julian uh, recommended to us, our video editor. And basically what was interesting, he was putting into perspective how long time nowadays you work for an hour of light or an hour of a hot shower or whatever that is. And then nowadays you work, I think, half a second to get an hour of light, of like, you know, LED lights in your house. But back in the days, you used to work like hours for the same hour of light. So now your time, you know, everything obviously is more expensive, but the technology that we have nowadays is so good that we have less time to work for, you know, more leisure and things like that. Yeah, we're very lucky with all of the, I don't know, I guess like the lifestyle comforts that we have nowadays, because I think for our grandparents, maybe our great grandparents, like they did not have the same quality of lifestyle that we have today. Even the super rich people back in the days, like would not have nearly the same amount of comforts as we do today. So I think in some ways we are lucky, obviously things like housing prices have gotten a lot more expensive these days. Definitely not denying that. But uh, yeah, I think we still have a lot to be grateful for, for sure. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, he was also mentioning the example of, you know, Napoleon or, you know, like Louis XIV. And, you know, they will never take a plane to go to Europe or to the US or to come to Australia. That will never cross their mind. But for us, we can actually, you know, take a budget airline or, you know, using points and actually travel to the Philippines or somewhere else and not have to think about it too much. It's like, we can do it. Uh, how lucky is that? Yeah, it is so lucky. And sometimes, you know, I, I was watching this like comedy show and there was this guy that was saying, uh, you know, sometimes he's on his phone and he's like, oh, geez, the internet's really slow. Like, hurry up, hurry up. And then he thought about it for a moment and he was like, I've literally got this like device in my hand and it's sending signals up to space to a satellite going around the world, up to space, and it's coming back down. And that's why it's taking so long, because it's going to space coming back down, you know, and we're annoyed when it takes an extra minute to load something or like an extra second. But yeah, when you put that into perspective, it's really like, wow, you know, our life is so, so much better these days with technology. And I think one uh, question that I love is, would you rather be a poor person living in 2023 or a super wealthy person living in the 1500s yeah I think now you know better be poor now sure I mean and wasn't your dream you know bringing television to school or something when you <laughs> yeah when I was a little girl uh, I would watch tv before school and I would, you know, I would have to switch off the TV and then walk to school. And one of my dreams was I wish I could have take, took the TV with me from home and, you know, watched it while I was walking to school. And nowadays we actually have that. You can literally watch any movie on your phone while you're doing anything. Like you, you never have to be bored ever again. Yeah, how crazy. Bringing TV to school, Queen. 
But anyway, you know, before you bring TV to school, how you're gonna save money? How you're gonna save twenty-seven forty dollar a day? Do you have any tips for us? Yes. So one of the things that we started doing when we were saving for our first home is meal prepping. So what we would do is we would cook a really big meal at home. Let's say spaghetti bolognese, everybody's favorite. We would cook a really big batch, and then we would just bring it into work the next day for lunch and. The food still tastes just as good as when you made it the night before, and this would save us around ten or fifteen dollars per day. More like fifteen dollars per day these days with food prices the way they are, and fifteen dollars a day doesn't seem like much, but when you start to add that up, fifteen dollars a day adds up to five thousand four hundred and seventy-five dollars per year. So that's a lot of money, you know. It is a lot of money, and I think you know fifteen dollars a day seems like. I think it will be even more than that because going out get your lunch it will be at least like fifteen twenty dollar but the lunch that you make at home is like probably five to eight dollar I'd say like you know if you make like a really cheap recipe so that can be even more and also how much time you save you know going out from the office to the food court or wherever that is waiting for them to make your food finding something to even pick something you know and all this thing and then getting. Going back to the office, eating your food—you know—that takes so much more time. You probably take like fifteen, twenty minutes extra just to eat, and then that's every single day. And how much you value your time at—you know—that's even more. Yeah, very true. I was actually listening to this YouTube video, and there was this guy. He talks about like you know meeting billionaires, and you know one character trait that they have is actually time, because they know that time is the same for everyone. But saving time is so important, and when they go out to a restaurant, you know, like maybe people spend like the average people they're gonna look at the menu, they're gonna be like, mm, you know, take like maybe ten, fifteen minutes, twenty minutes when they go to a big restaurant, and before they pick a meal. But the billionaires, what they actually do, they just, you know, they sat down, they get the waiter, they say, what do you recommend? They let them pick, you know, they say what they like and things like that, and then done their order and then it's much faster they spend like much less time at the restaurant because they have like uh, spend less time ordering and thinking about it and they save their time to do more important stuff mm, that is very true like how much time do we waste on decisions that actually don't matter that much yeah so I think like you know one curious one I was like is like you know just save your time when you can you know, and all these things. Yeah, very, very true. So the next way, do you want to read this out, Pablo? You do. Yeah, actually, I have my coffee right here. You know that we made from home with our nice coffee beans, and that saves us a lot of money. I think we got our coffee machine probably like four, or five years ago now, and literally still working. Make one of the best coffee I've ever tasted. Maybe a bias, but. Yeah, save so much money. Do you want to run for the numbers, Connie? I sure do. So we bought this Breville coffee machine for around $600 a couple of years ago, still going strong. And our at-home coffee only costs around 55 cents to make, including like the beans, the milk, the electricity, all of that stuff. And the price of a coffee out is now $5. So by buying our coffee machine, we were able to break even 
within around four months because Pablo and I make a coffee a day for each of us. So we broke even on that machine pretty quickly. And now it's just pretty much like making money for us, I guess. And I know I know people get mad about the coffee example. Obviously, if you don't buy coffee every day, you're not going to become like a rich millionaire and be able to buy a bazillion different properties. We're definitely not saying that, but we're just trying to show that there are small things that you can do every day that can save you money. So saving around $4.45 per day by making your coffee at home, that adds up to $1,624 in a year. That's not going to be able to buy your property. Definitely not, <laughs> but it could buy you maybe a nice weekend away somewhere. It could buy you, I don't know, what what else? Like a really nice, yeah, really nice weekend away somewhere. Yeah. Well, at the moment, we're trying to get to this $27.40 and I think that any can, any step can be good towards that. Yeah, exactly. And another way I think to save money is, you know, looking. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Add your subscription and switch to cheaper plan where you can. Obviously, like, you know, if you get like a phone plan, like we switched to Circles, that was much cheaper than the average price in the market. And same for electricity, we shopped around to get like the cheaper electricity plus gas in our area. And looking at all those things, internet, and, you know, you save like $5 plus $7, you know, but it all adds up. And literally, it doesn't change your life. You ha- say, take the same phone call. You have the same electricity. They they don't give you like premium electricity. The bigger co- you just pay more. So all these things adds up, and it's a great way to find money where there is. And a good thing actually, you know, we used to do it often, and we stopped doing it, and then we end up paying more. So it's something important to actually review those things from time to time because prices change over time. And you don't want to pay a loyalty tax. Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of companies, they do charge a loyalty tax to their loyal customers, unfortunately. So they will give better deals to new customers to incentivize new people to switch to their company. But then once you're a loyal customer, they'll increase the prices on you and they won't give you any good deals. So I would recommend, you know, looking around your electricity, phone, internet, all of those different providers, see if it actually is as cheap as it was when you signed up. If not, call them, ask for a discount. If they won't do that, then switch for a better deal. Yeah, and even better, like if you don't need those subscriptions like Netflix or things like that, maybe cancel, you know, sign up for a month, but then cancel the month after so that you are not into the subscription loop. Because I think the subscription is the worst because you literally pay every single month and it's hard to change. So if you can cancel it, that's really good. 
Mm, very, very, very true. And another thing that you can also do when you are shopping is using cashback apps like Shopback and Cash Awards. And we do have some links below so you can get some free cashback. But honestly, it doesn't seem like much when you're on a store you get 5% cash back. You're like, oh yeah, 5%. What's that? Like three bucks or something. I checked my cash back balance the other day and it was literally like so much money just by buying things that I was already going to buy. So it's, it definitely works. It is real money. And maybe that could save you some money towards maybe buying Christmas presents for people, buying birthday presents, or even buying yourself something nice. Yeah. I think last time we went into the Great Barrier Reef and we did diving. And we actually found a deal like 15% off diving through Viato and Shopback. Yeah, that was really, really cool. So diving in the Great Barrier Reef is definitely not cheap. But Pablo and I went with my auntie and it was just such a nice experience. And we booked our diving trip through this website called Viator. And at that time, they also had a deal with Shopback where you could get an extra 15% cash back. And so we ended up checking our cashback balance the other day. We earned around $100 cashback just from that diving trip alone because we shot back. So, yeah, it really does work. Yes, yeah, really cool. And what does work is actually getting five-star ratings. That's true. So if you enjoy the podcast, make sure you give us a five-star review. Nice. And now people have cut out most of their expenses. What is the next step for them? So as we know, there's a limit on how much you can cut out of your budget, you know, because if you're only earning so much, the most that you can ever save is 100% of the income that you're already making, whereas the money that you can make is unlimited. You really could make as much money, you know, like it really is unlimited. So that's why I think it's important to not only just look at how much you can save with your current income, but also find ways that you can earn more income. And one of the best ways to do that is by asking for a pay rise or switching jobs because there's this really, really interesting stat. Did you know that new employees are on average paid 7% more than existing employees doing the same job? It's pretty wild and it's called the loyalty tax. So this not only applies to banks, internet, phone, electricity providers, but it also applies to employers and your job as well. So it's really important that you aren't paying the loyalty tax and you are asking for a pay rise and finding ways that you can get a pay rise. So something that I did when I was asking for a pay rise was I would prepare a few months before the meeting, you know, like making sure that I am meeting all of my job description, making sure that I'm hitting all of my targets, making my boss and colleagues happy, making their life easier. And then I would bring up all of those things in the meeting. So, hey, this is the job that I was hired to do. And these are all of these extra things that I've been doing and I've been adding all of this extra value to your company. So because I'm doing all of this extra stuff, I would like a pay rise. And that's the way that I would bring it to them because if they were to hire somebody brand new to do that role, They would only be getting somebody that does that exact same role. They wouldn't be getting somebody that could do all these other things too. And yeah, most of the time it did work. Obviously, sometimes, you know, your employer is unable to give you a pay rise for whatever reason. And in that case, I would ask them in the meeting, I would say, okay, so maybe now's not the right time for me to get a pay rise. I understand. 
what can I do between now and then so that I can get a pay rise next time we have this meeting? And I think that's really, really important to bring up because once you get that from them, then you can, you know, make sure that you get a pay rise next time. And I think it is really important to make sure that you are increasing your salary every year because as we know, the cost of living is rising. So if you aren't increasing your salary, you're essentially hustling backwards because the cost of living and everything is getting more expensive. So it is really important to try and increase your salary every year. And if your current employer can't do that for you, and I understand not everyone is in a position to do that, maybe look at switching jobs because the best way that I've found to increase my salary really quickly in my career is by switching jobs. And sometimes I'd be able to get you know, even 20% pay rises just by switching jobs. So that could be an extra 10, 20, 30, maybe even $40,000 just by switching jobs. So yeah, definitely worth looking into. Yeah, really interesting. It's like, you know, the superannuation, like, you know, after one year, after two years, after three, four years, it's like one year is not that much, but then after four years, it's like 20% compounded. How much is that? It's so much more money. Actually, yeah, the, there's this other crazy, crazy stat. So they compared people that stayed with the same employer for more than a couple of years versus people that are job switching every couple of years to get higher salaries. And in the first year, it wasn't like a crazy difference. Maybe the people that were changing jobs would earn maybe 7 to 10% more than the people that stayed with their current employer. But when you do expand that out over a couple of years – over a lifetime, the people that were job hopping more and switching jobs made 50% more over their lifetime than the people that stayed in the same jobs, which is pretty wild, hey? That's a lot of money, 50% more. It really is. It really is. And not saying you have to like job change all the time, make your life super stressful. I know that not everybody loves having to find a new job and like switching jobs all the time. But I think it is still important to, if you're not switching jobs, ask for a pay rise because the worst thing that they can do is say no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everyone is different. You know, it doesn't mean you have to change up, but always, you know, understand where you are at after improving your skills and see the market value to get a fair rate. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, as you increase your income, save more money, one thing that's important to do and good uh, and that we started doing is tracking our net worth. Yeah, honestly, this is a game changer. So we have created a completely free net worth tracker where you can put in your assets and liabilities and it will just give you a base of where you're currently at with your finances and where you can improve. And even if your net worth isn't where you'd like it to be at the moment, don't worry because when Pablo and I started seven years ago now, we both had negative net worths. We had big student loans. We weren't making a lot of money. We had hardly any savings and we were living week to week. And yeah, our net worth was in the negatives at that time. But we've been able to accumulate a, a really high net worth in only a couple of years because we have been following these steps. We have been checking it regularly. So even if your net worth is negative or maybe it's not in the best position that you'd like it to be, it can always improve and it's a good starting point. Yeah, 100%. And so after people understand their net worth, like what's the next step they can do to buy a property? Yeah, so the next step is to use a mortgage broker. Using a mortgage broker is honestly a game changer. So at the time when we were looking to buy our first home, we didn't really know this, but I used to think, why would I pay for a mortgage broker 
when I can put more money towards my deposit, you know? And then what we realized was that you don't actually pay for mortgage brokers because the bank pays them a commission and, you know, if they refer you to their bank. So you can get the help and the expertise of a mortgage broker, but you don't have to pay for them and there's no money out of your pocket. So that's a really good tip and they can really help walk you through the process. Yeah, 100%. You know, first they're going to understand and help you understand how much you can borrow and look at the numbers with you and help you, you know, prepare that loan application. And they're really going to apply just when you are ready. Or, you know, if you go to with a bank, you know, they just want the paperwork and they're going to look at it and they're going to approve you or, you know, reject you. Well, the mortgage broker, they're going to contact the bank. They have, like, contacts so they can make sure that before you apply, you have all the chance in your site to get approved and they're going to know, oh, this lender is right for you or this one is not right because they've done that hundreds of times. And that's very useful to have someone that you can talk to to get uh, the best deal and, you know, just someone on your side. Because when you buy a property, not everyone is on your side, you know. So you might as well have someone or as many people on your side as you can. Absolutely, absolutely. So our next point And this is actually very, very, very important and is often overlooked by a lot of people when they're buying their first home. We have a a sad story to share, unfortunately. So one of our friends was buying their first home. They had a $100,000 deposit and they weren't able to get their loan in time to settle the property on the date that they said that they would settle. So they actually lost their whole $100,000 deposit because they didn't get a pre-approved mortgage. And that's why I think it's really important if you are looking to buy your first home or looking to buy any property at all, get a pre-approval from the bank because that essentially means that the bank has agreed to lend you money and because they've agreed to lend you money, the process will just be a lot quicker for them to approve the loan because they've already looked through all of your statements rather than if you're going you know, fresh to the bank with all of your statements, it obviously takes a little bit more time for them to approve a loan. So yeah, unfortunately for our friend, they lost their $100,000 deposit, but it is an important lesson for all of us to learn that it is really important to get a pre-approved mortgage. Yeah, and I think when you walk, you know, into an apartment uh, or a house that you want to buy and you know that you've been pre-approved, it's already kind of put your case a bit forward that you know what you are doing You've been pre-approved. You're just looking for the right property. You are really ready to buy. And when you speak with the mortgage broker, you know that you are interested in the property. That might be helping your case. Plus, once you make an offer, then, like you said, Kuni, the process is going to be much faster because they're just going to double-check each of the numbers. I think when you get pre-approved, it's probably for a 90-day period. Then they might ask you your last updated, like, bank statements and expenses and uh, pay slips and all this stuff. But then, like you said, it's going to be much faster because they looked at it already. They're just going to verify that the information is correct and that the place and the valuation of the place is what you're going to pay for so that they make sure that what they invest in is correct and much easier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
That's very true. I think having a pre-approved mortgage definitely does make it easier for you to buy a place. And when you do put an offer in a place, it is considered a little bit higher than people that don't have a pre-approved mortgage. At least that was definitely the case when we were buying our first home. So yeah, definitely worth getting a pre-approved mortgage. Yeah, for sure. And another thing that is really good, the next point, is getting a solicitor to review the contract. Because, you know, obviously, like, contracts are long and, you know, these people, like solicitor, conveyances, they review property contract every single day and they, they know in and out of the contract. So quickly they're going to identify what's the property like, you know, if there is any issue and all this stuff. Like, we're actually at one stage looking to buy a house like a couple of years ago which did not go through but one of the house that we and the property that we looked at there was you know this map and there was like a pipe going under the garden and that was like a switch pipe and the solicitor told us that if you want to buy this house it's fine but you will never be able to construct on top of that you know pipe like two meters on each side so basically like if you want to do like sh- to a shed or like a granny flat or anything, you won't be able to do it there because this needs to be always like free and things like that, that they can really point out. Yeah. Another really important thing to get done is if you are looking to buy an apartment, get a strata report or a strata check done. Yeah. Actually, like when we bought our first property apartment, like obviously, you know, there is the strata company that like this massive file or folder with like all the information but you don't really have any idea of what it looks like and the strata company I think it costs maybe like the strata report company will help you like understand and look at into you know what the strata report looks like and create this report for you to understand you know how much the sinking fund and the admin fund has so that seeing that you don't own any money or there is no any big expenses or the cash flow of the property is, you know, clean. So you know what you're working to. You're not going to be like, oh, next month, all the windows are going to be replaced and you need to spend $10,000 or all this stuff that they can let you know about. Exactly, exactly. And if you are looking to buy a house, do a building and pest inspection. That's also really important too. Yeah, building pests, you know, I think it's actually a requirement. Uh, to have that so important to do yeah definitely and number eight negotiate with the real estate agent I think it really pays to just be nice to everybody that you encounter and it may not you know give you an edge up against somebody that's offering more money than you are but I think it, it definitely helps just being nice to the real estate agent being nice to the owners definitely helps yeah and also you know looking at many properties as well and you know always you know sometimes we thought one of the property that really we really liked that was the one and you know it fell through just on the day after we made like an offer or something like that so don't always think that's the best property or you know there's always more opportunity later and it's good to have your eggs not in the same basket and also one thing that we use to negotiate our uh, offer was leveraging another apartment and we said we had actually an auction it was a buyer's market so we were pretty lucky at that time that the property price were quite low and you could negotiate on the lower end of the offer and basically we have that place 
for that price where that place that we were interested in and another place that there was an auction the week after and we were, we made an offer for the place we were interested in and I actually called the real estate or he called me and I said yeah well we made this offer but we have also this other place that we have an auction on that Thursday and it was like maybe one or two days from now and then that put the pressure on the owner to potentially accept our offer that was lower than they wanted to because otherwise we would have gone with the auction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. Very, very good. So yeah, I think negotiating with the real estate agent is not easy. The more you're going to make some offer, visit some property, the better you're going to be at it. It's normal. There is also the option to look with a buyer's agent that can do the offer for you. That's obviously more costly, but that removes the stress from you and they will be able to potentially get a better price and recoup the money. That's another option. Yeah, definitely worth looking into. And this is unrelated, a little bit unrelated to first home buyers, but something that we recently learned about property, which I think is really, really interesting. So basically, uh, Pablo and I, we bought this apartment back in 2019 for 500000 We spent some money renovating the kitchen, bathroom, flooring, lighting and everything. And now we're renting that apartment out as an investment property. What we didn't know at the time is that you can actually depreciate the renovations that you made to a property. And we can depreciate this by around $1,800 every year for 30 years and claim this as a write-off in our tax return. And obviously, we since, it is, since we did live in the property before we started renting it out, we can't depreciate everything like appliances and things like that. And there are some T's and C's. But yeah, well, it was actually pretty interesting because that's something we didn't know about before. And our lovely friend Belinda helped us do the tax depreciation schedule. So yeah, I think it was it was really cool and something we didn't know before. Yeah, I think there are a lot of tax advantages owning a property or renting out, having a property as an investment that is worth looking into. Yeah, definitely. So that is it. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We went into a lot of details. And if you would like to check out that first home buyer sheet and cheat sheet that we've created for you, you can check it out in the show notes below. Make sure you give this podcast a five-star rating and we'll see you in the next episode. See you. Bye. Bye. Bye.